Please pray with me. Lord God, let the good news come now, not in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Our reading this morning comes to us from the book of the Acts of the Apostles. We'll be reading starting in verse 6 of chapter 1. Listen for God's word to you. As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Jesus replied, It isn't for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After Jesus said these things, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going away, And as they were staring toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them. They said, Galileans, why are you standing here looking toward heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they entered the city, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, Alphaeus' son, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, James's son, all were united in their devotion to prayer, along with some women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was thinking about calling my message today the new normal, but frankly, I am pretty tired of hearing about the new normal. I guess you're probably the same way. We've been hearing nothing but the new normal, it seems like, or at least in all kinds of areas, we've been hearing about the new normal. What will the new normal be? We've been hearing this for eight weeks and counting, so... um so I'm, I'm just kind of tired of it. It's not that I don't understand the concept. It's, it's actually kind of a useful concept, but it, its use is very limited because it tells us there will be a new normal. It says, on the far side of the horizon, around the bend in the river, somewhere out there is a new normal, but we don't know what it is. Okay, you know, message received. We got that. But, but it doesn't really help us to understand what is that new normal. All it does is is kind of make us anxious about saying, well, whatever you're used to, get to used to something different. So, um, so it's a, it's a tiresome concept, even if it does have some utility. Uh, but it doesn't answer our questions. It doesn't tell us what work is going to be like. It doesn't tell us what a school is going to be like in the fall. It doesn't tell us what it's going to be like to go shopping. Are we going to still have face masks? What's it going to be like to go out to eat? Are we going to be allowed into restaurants? And all, all these questions, right? We know there's going to be a new normal, but we don't have real clarity yet about how different that normal is going to be from our past normal. 
And I think most of us, for, for a lot of things, you know, we, there's things we complained about in the past, and we'd love for those to be different. But mostly we're thinking, you know, uh, I was okay with the, the, the great swath of what was happening in the past, and I hope the new normal isn't too different from the old normal. So I think that's, that's where we're at. We, we, we know that there's going to be something different. Um, there's always something different. You know, society is always changing. Technology is always changing. You know, the value of our money is changing. You know, we, we understand that there's change, but it's usually slow. But we know now because of the coronavirus, because of our quarantine, that we're, we're heading into something that's going to be, uh, maybe a lot more different than that gradual change we've experienced for most of our lives. So, so what will the new normal look like? We don't know. We're in a position just waiting to find out, waiting for our, our, our different leaders to, to give us the signal that it's okay or it's actually legal in some cases, um, to, to do the things that we're wondering what's that going to look like in the new normal. So that's the, that's the place we're at as people and it's the place we're at as a congregation. So, um, uh, when when we look at it that way, when we say we're in a position where we're waiting, we don't know what the new normal is going to look like, that actually helps us to see that there are times and places in the New Testament where people were were dealing with that same question, is what is the new normal going to look like? And the one we're going to read about today is the maybe the biggest one of all. It was the one when Jesus ascended to heaven. Uh, this is Ascension Sunday, and it is the day we remember the time that Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, we believe Jesus is uh, still alive, that Jesus did not just go away. He did not kind of merge back into whatever whatever God is like without Jesus. We don't, we don't have to worry about that because as we'll see today, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. He will, he will come again in glory, we, we say, uh, to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. These are things we believe about Jesus. He will be back. Um, but uh, but we're in the position of waiting for him to return, just as they were at the time of the Ascension. Um, the Ascension Ascension Day itself is actually 40 days after Easter, which made it last Thursday. Uh, but typically in the church, um, except for a very few occasions, we we celebrate uh, dates in the church on the nearest Sunday because it's um, it's simpler and because everybody comes to church on Sunday. Ha ha ha. So, so everybody worships together on Sunday, but we don't necessarily come to church on Sunday. So, so, um, we're celebrating the, the ascension today and, um, uh, the actual date of the ascension was this past Thursday. So, uh, the reason that that is, is because as Luke tells us at the beginning of this reading, he says that, um, he says that, uh, Jesus did these things for 40 days after his resurrection. So that would have been last Thursday. So, um, so what are these things? Well, he tells us that too. He says, first of all, he um, instructed his disciples and he uh, showed them he was alive with many convincing proofs. So we don't know exactly what that looks like, but if you think back to the resurrection stories, uh, the, the morning of Easter and uh, the evening and then the, the following week when Jesus appeared with the disciples in the upper room, we know that Jesus had some interesting characteristics. He kind of showed up on the scene even though people were in a locked room. Um, he was recognizable yet different, uh, that he had a physical body, he ate real food. So we know that Jesus was was like us and somehow different. Um, but we don't really get a good picture of that. But what we do see is Jesus is characteristically still talking about the kingdom of heaven. So during this period, 
Jesus talked to them about the kingdom of God. Uh, Luke tells us that he appeared to them over this period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. And that is very characteristic of Jesus. That is uh, literally how he began his public ministry, and he does it literally up to the last uh, the last moments of his earthly ministry. So uh, that is characteristic. He talks to them about the kingdom of God, and he tells them, don't leave town, don't leave Jerusalem. You're not from here, you're from Galilee, but don't go back to Galilee yet. Stick around, stay in, stay in Jerusalem for the gift of the Father. He says, uh, um, until um, uh, they, they should wait for what the Father had promised. And that's where we pick things up. He says, he says they'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we pick things up in verse 6 where it says, as a result, those who had gathered together, so these disciples that he's been talking to, ask Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? They, they ask what they, they think is probably a very reasonable question. He's been talking about the kingdom all this time and, um, He's he's proven that he has God's... Uh, they, they may not understand exactly what he is in terms of being the Son of God. Uh, they may have a very um, incomplete understanding of that now, but they understand he's certainly got God's authority that he's working with. And so they ask him, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And Jesus Jesus responds with with a, a longish statement. It actually... In, in, in our Bibles today, it gets two verses. It's just a single thing he says. But the first one is easy to understand. Verse 7, he says, It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. He says that that this is something that the Father is keeping um, private to himself. Uh, in one of the, the biographies of Jesus, we, we read how Jesus said that not even the Son knows. This is something he's asking, the, the disciples are asking him for information that he doesn't have, that this is information that only the Father um, has about when when exactly the, um, the, the kingdom will come in its fullness. But then he goes on and he says, rather you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, or when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth, and this is the part that is uh, that requires some unpacking because we understand Jesus is saying you don't get that information. He says it's not for you to know, so that's easy enough to understand. But the second verse we need to unpack a little bit to, to realize what he's saying because he says a lot in a single verse. The disciples had said, uh, "Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now?" That's the question, and the, in the second part of his answer, Jesus says says um, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my, by my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So Jesus says that um, your understanding of the kingdom still lacks a little bit. I need to explain, you know, the way you ask that question tells me that um, I need to explain this. Now, look, I've got a flight I've got to catch here in a minute, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on just a second and explain um, what uh, you need to understand about the kingdom because there's some misapprehensions I need to correct. The first thing is uh, they say, are you going to restore? Uh, and Jesus is saying the kingdom is already here. Remember, the kingdom has come near. So uh, it's it's available to you right now. And he says, and it's not something that needs to be repaired or, or restored. It's something that is already growing. Um, uh, elsewhere, he's described that as being like yeast hidden in a batch of dough. Or he said that it is like um, 
a plant growing in the ground and you can't see what it's doing, but um, it will surprise us someday when we realize just how far it has come. So Jesus says, your first misapprehension is that the kingdom is actually not a, a uh, off or on kind of thing. It's not like there is no kingdom and there will be a kingdom, but he says the kingdom is already present. It's already growing among you. So that's the first misapprehension. The second misapprehension is he says, and it's not going to be restored for Israel. It's going to be uh, made available to the whole world. That is not something just for Israel. Or uh, it is for Israel, but only in the sense that, that Israel is to be a blessing for the nations. That Israel is God's um, special people whose purpose is to is to bless the nation. So he says that the kingdom is available not just to Israel, but to the whole world. So that's two misapprehensions. The third one, he says, is, and this is not a secret to be kept. This is not inside information for a few people who happen to meet me. Um, this is for the whole world. So this is, this is good news that needs to be proclaimed to the whole world. And then the last thing, he says, and it will be you who does it, who, who does it. I won't be the one telling them about this. I've, I've been telling people about the kingdom for, for three years, and now you're going to do it. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jerusalem, that's the town just right over there. Um, there are, uh, we will read that they're about a Sabbath day journey from there, so half a mile. They're just, they're just outside of town. And uh, he's saying, remember, st- I told you to stick around until then. So they're going to stick around in Jerusalem. And there'll be witnesses there. But then there will be witnesses in Judea and Samaria. So that's the, the, the country in which Jerusalem is a part of. So they will be um, uh, witnesses there. But Jesus says, and it won't stop there. It will go to the ends of the earth. So Jesus corrects four misapprehensions in a single, in a single verse. So, um, and then he catches his flight. It says, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, I don't know what that looks like, but, um, it's, it's certainly nothing I've ever seen anybody just take off. So we don't know, and we have to kind of use our imagination and guess what that looks like. Luke doesn't tell us any details, but he hammers home that they saw something. They saw Jesus go up into the heavens. He says they're watching, uh, the, the cloud took him out of their sight, they're staring toward heaven, the, the two men come along and say, why are you looking into heaven? They are seeing something, and it involves Jesus going into heaven. So what that looks like, I don't know. But Luke wants us to be clear, this is not like the, the resurrection. The resurrection, nobody saw. Jesus was, was gone from the tomb when the first, uh, when the first, when the women came and then later the disciples came to look at it, the tomb was empty. Nobody saw Jesus, um, uh, uh, rise from the dead. They only saw him after he had risen. But here, there's a whole group of witnesses that all saw Jesus ascend into heaven. And Luke wants us to be sure of that. And I think the reason is because it took something, even at this point, it took a special, uh, a sign, a miraculous, uh, a wonder to, to, uh, make the disciples do what they did next, which was to go back to Jerusalem and wait. Because if you had been given that mission by Jesus himself, you might be tempted to start, race into it. I'm just going to start doing it myself. But Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit, and they did. And you know, this is a place where uh, if Jesus had asked me, if he had only come to me and asked him for advice, I would have said, Jesus, I'm not sure you really want to tell people to wait, um, that it's it's easier to get church people to 
to stop than it is to get them to start. And, and even when you can get them to start, it's, it's not easy to get everybody moving in the same direction. So, um, I would have said that. And the reason is because I'm not as good a leader as Jesus. He's got it. He's got this figured out. He knows how it, how it's going to work. Um, I have struggled with this. And I, I think honestly, this is a place where, um, a lot of our civil leaders are, are at right now is that they're discovering that it's easier to shut down the, the country to, to stop people going to work or most people going to work. He's, it's closed schools and so forth. It's easy to stop these things, but it's not easy to know when and how to restart them. And so we're seeing people uh, beginning to argue over that. And we were getting some, some of our political tribalism is, is rearing its head. And so one of the things I would encourage you to do as, as a Christian uh, is to pray for people who are in leadership roles, trying to do something that they've never done before. How do we get the entire country up and running again? That's something that none of them have ever had any practice at. And so I would encourage you to be in prayer for all of our leaders as they try to navigate the the, the two competing directions and the pros and cons in favor of both. So, so do be in prayer for them. And in fact, that's what we read the disciples do. They go back and they wait. They spend their time waiting really the way we can spend our time waiting, by being in prayer. We don't know exactly what their prayers were for. Uh, one of the things that always strikes me whenever I see a list of the disciples, uh, one, of, one of the disciples is Matthew, the tax collector, and another one is Simon the Zealot. So he is, he is an anti-Roman occupation protester taken to the nth degree. So he's, he's a domestic terrorist from the Romans' point of view. And the fact that he could work alongside somebody who was collaborating to collect Roman taxes, I'm just always amazed. So if you think, you know, there's some weird people in your church, uh, um, uh, that, that, you know, you're not sure exactly, you know, what are they doing here? Just remember there are people who are, who were much worse, um, uh, matches for each other in that original group. And so uh, we read that they, they spent their time in prayer. And uh, we read also that some women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers were part of the group. And in fact, he will go on to explain to us that there's now about a hundred and something uh, disciples, that it's not just uh, that, that group of 12 that he names, but it's a, something on the order of a hundred people who are, who are waiting together to see what that new normal will be, what, what that next challenge is going to be. So, uh, we, the rest of the book explains kind of how that, that, uh, plays out and we'll pick it up, uh, next week when the, the Holy Spirit does come and we'll see where, where that takes them. But, um, in the meantime, we are in the same place that they were. They were waiting for something. They're waiting for something that they've been told is going to happen. They've been told that there's a new normal, but they don't know what it looks like. So what do they do? They spend their time praying. And I encourage you to do that in particular, as I said, for our leaders. But I encourage you to ask for your own insights. You could ask yourself, how have I been like the disciples? How have I assumed that the kingdom of God is is what I had before? How is the kingdom of God different from what church was like in the past? To, to, ask, to ask, how have I been thinking that the, the kingdom of God is a secret? That it's just for church people. How have I been thinking the kingdom of God is for insiders? How, how have I uh, treated the kingdom of God as something that was a was a take it or leave it thing? That it wasn't something that I had a mission to convey to the ends of the earth. So I would invite you to ask that question about yourself and about us as a as a community of faith. How can we 
be better at responding to these corrections that Jesus gives us about the kingdom of God? How can we take our mission more seriously? How can we, how can we be, um, uh, uh, better at communicating in a way that is accessible to outside people and things like that? So, so ask for, ask for guidance about that. That's something we'll certainly need in the new normal, whatever it looks like. One thing that has occurred to me, um, as I've thought about this, you know, how can God use even tragedies? How can God use tragedies to affect um, his purposes to bring grace and mercy to the world? And one of the things that has occurred to me is that um, in the last eight weeks, I'm guessing the vast majority of 300,000 churches in this country, and I have no idea how many around the world, have gone online. That like our church, we've said, well, you, we should do something like that. It would be handy for certain circumstances, but we've never done it. And, uh, in God's grace and, and with His timing, uh, now a whole bunch of churches have, have been in the place we've been at figuring out how can we be a, an online church. And so I don't know how that's going to look in the new normal. I don't know what, a, what, what, what role that's going to play in the future, but I know, um, our temptation is always to, to go backwards, to say that the, the new normal is really the old normal. And so I'm curious, uh, is that really one of God's uh, purposes in, in this, in, in, um, uh, working through the church to get so many churches online over the last two months? Is that, is that something that God has in store for the world? It certainly fits in with the idea of taking, uh, the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. But it's something we'll be discussing as we, as we, um, as we begin meeting together again in a few weeks, um, and it's something that we should be in prayer while we wait, because the the new normal will be different, but we don't know how different. Only God knows that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, you see the future, and we don't. That's that's our that's our big problem, and and uh, it's hard enough for us to live with that, but it's particularly hard for us to trust that, that your, your, your future is a better future than the ones that we, we imagine because we're finite. We cannot imagine how good a future you have for us. So Lord, uh, inspire us, give us a better imagination, help us to see the way that even in dark times like the, um, pandemic, uh, that you are at work and you are bringing, um, uh, a new thing into being, um, help us to, to see with eyes of faith the, the growth of your kingdom here among us and help us to be effective in the mission you've given us to uh, bear witness to Jesus um, to the ends of the earth. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.